Hey, g'day and welcome back to another episode of The Experience. It is your host, Bradley J. Drybra, and we're here today for episode 058. Whether this be the first or one of many that you're tuning into, I want to say thank you so much for your support. It's you guys that keeps this show alive and thriving, and you can continue to show your support by hitting the all-important follow or subscribe button, leaving a five-star rating and raving review on Apple Podcasts app, and just sharing this with one or a few friends. The whole mantra of this show is to inspire you to pursue purpose and overcome adversity in your life, and the more people we have listening, well, the more chances we have to do just that. Today's guest is as fit as a fiddle. He's going to inspire you to get off your ass and get moving in 2021. He was originally based in Melbourne, but now up in Noosa with his family, leading a tribe of over 330,000 Instagram followers to lead healthier and more fulfilling lives. Running boot camps in his now hometown of Noosa and digitally training people all over Instagram, Australia and the world. Ladies and gentlemen, from your home, your car or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the incredible Maddie C. Fox. Today's episode was shot over Zoom and we did have some issues with the internet connection. However, I'm sure you'll be able to sit back, put your feet up and really enjoy this listening experience as we dive into conversation with Matt to the episode. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Good to uh, be here and talk to you. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show, man. I've been following you for a little while. I think the first time I come across you was actually when you were hanging out with mate, the, the very curious character that is Johnny Edland. Um, yeah. A bit of a, a social butterfly, that guy. And I've seen you through there and was really intrigued by the way you run things. You've obviously got an incredible physique. And sort of as I delved into what you're doing and the way you do things, all built off the back of very athletic body weight training, which is available to everyone. And in these crazy times where, you know, certain people have gyms closed and, and less opportunity to be in front of equipment, mate, yeah. it's a very good way of training. So I'm really, really keen to dive into your story. Sort of kick us off at the beginning, if I'm getting this right. You started off with a bit of a pro tennis career. Yeah, I, um, well, I think growing, growing up, I played kind of like Aussie kid. You do kind of a bit of everything, don't you? You know, I did um, the swimming and the athletics and Aussie rules, football, soccer, life-saving, everything like that. Um, then, yeah, tennis, and that was kind of the one that I seemed to stick to more and um, got to travel around the world for that. And then, and so I was pretty full on with that for, you know, from about 14 years to 21, 22, um, and then stopped that, at, yeah, Stopped that around. I think I was just almost turning 22. Um, and then, yeah, I haven't really played since. So it's been a while now. But, yeah, I got to um, got to travel around, lived in Europe for four years, which is pretty cool. So some really good experiences out of it. Learned a ton of things with discipline and, you know, being it's a, it's a lonely sport as well. Um, it's an individual sport. So you learn a lot. You have to, you have to do everything yourself. Um, so, yeah, it's good. It was good. It was a good teacher. Oh, I can imagine. Tell me, living in Europe, whereabouts were you based? I was majority of the time in Denmark. Um, yeah, where? And then, and then probably, so, yeah, probably three years Denmark, six months uh, Holland, six months Sweden. 
Now it's funny because we were talking just a moment ago off camera about, you know, my time. I spent a year in Melbourne, as many of the yeah. listeners of the show know. You were a Melbourne boy for a good period of time there. I reflect on my time in Melbourne and people always ask me, hey, what do I do when I go to Melbourne? Like, what should I do to have a good time? I don't know. I worked way too much. Was that similar to Denmark? Was it, you know, just really locked down training and, and real laser focus on your no. tennis or? I mean, yes and no. Obviously, um, you know, I was there basically because Europe's just got so many more tournaments um, than Australia and they're all obviously, you know, you can drop around, you can get the train to different countries. So everything's a bit more condensed. So knowing that way that I still got to, you know, go over to different countries um, quite regularly. So you could still experience a few things. But then once I was there, yes, because it was kind of like the hotel and the tennis club and the hotel and the tennis club, you don't have a lot of time um, outside of that. Yeah, I can imagine for sure. It's a, it's a busy schedule when you're a pro athlete, regardless of what sport you play in, let alone a sport where it is so dedicated from what I've seen. And yeah. finished up around 21, 22. Um, yeah. I sort of want to dive into that a little bit because if I'm getting this correct and, and from one of your past interviews I've heard, you finished up because of some ill health. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, that's what brought me. Um, that's not what brought me back. I, I came back because I was getting sick of it. Um, I just lost the motivation to, to travel and everything like that. But then when I did come back, that's when I had or found out the news. And then um, from there, yeah, didn't really want to get back into it, I guess. Yeah, and, and the news was the unfortunate arisal of testicular cancer, if I'm correct? Yeah, that was it, yeah. Which is obviously a tough tough slog for a young fella. And it yeah. is the most common, cause, most common cancer, I should say, in young fellas here in Australia. Is that right? Yeah, I think, um, well, second to skin cancer, yeah. And how do you handle that news? Like, I, I was born with cystic fibrosis and, you know, I've been pretty blessed, mate. I'm, I'm in a really healthy really healthy bod for a guy with cystic fibrosis and have been able to manage it really well. And, you know, hurdles yeah. come along the way, you, you tackle them, you have a bit of adversity and some odds to overcome. But I know for a lot of people with, with my cause or, you know, a lot of young guys or young girls that I see who are t sort of have to tackle a bit of adversity and come across an illness can be tough. Mm. can really play on your mind. How was it for you? Yeah. I mean, initially it was, it was probably tough, but, really initially but then you know after when i say really initially probably like you know getting the news from the doctor and then a couple of days either side of that um and then um it's not that i mean none of it is good but it's not the worst one you can get obviously um there are a lot of worse cancers out there so that obviously gave me a bit of hope but really then i just viewed it as as a as a challenge just to to improve on that and to, to get better and yeah yeah it was a challenge i guess did you tackle that with chemotherapy yeah did that and an operation okay and for yeah. you like coming out of chemo because i had a gentleman by the name of finnair cooler on the show who he tackled brain cancer he was it was a pro rugby league player for the sharks and yeah so i mean that's a that's a different that's an, another level of of cancer yeah, you know? I get that. And, you know, you say that being quite a humble fella. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still tough. It's something where you, you know, I, can, I haven't been through chemo, but I know a lot of people who have. And I can imagine yeah. you sitting there in the chair and you're coming out and you're not feeling 100% when you leave chemo. How is yeah. that going from being extremely active 
to then tackling this? Were you still able to do some sort of training and keep your sanity? Because I can imagine for you. I mean, I, I um, can remember, I think, apparently it's day two. I can just remember them telling me that. So it's not right away. It's not the day after, but it's, this, you know, the full 48 hours after that you really um, kind of don't feel great. And I can remember um, going over to mate's house and trying to, trying to ride an exercise bike and lasting like a minute two minutes tops before I kind of felt like I was going to pass out and, and had to stop. And do you keep doing that? Like, is that the thing? Do you keep trying to, to get back? I think I did. I, I, I can't remember more than I really obviously remember that specific moment because that was pretty full on. But um, I think, yeah, it's not like that put me on my ass for a month or two after that. It was probably, I can vividly remember going for walks around the block and just kind of trying to build up. Yep. Do a little bit every day. Um, yeah. And were you living in Melbourne at the time? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. I was home then. Yeah, and so obviously good family around you and good mates and that sort of helps yeah. you, doesn't it? Yeah, it helps a lot for sure. And I know for a lot of people who have been through cancer, one of those proud moments of your life that you look back on is when you get to ring that bell and you know you're in remission. How long was it for you to, to get the all clear? Um, well, once I had the, again, like given the cancer, got it at a good point, so it hadn't really spread. Um, so I had the operation, I had the round of chemo and then for the next five years, you get scans, um, twice a year, had to go in for scans. So probably, I mean, yeah, it's not, I guess every time that you go in for a scan, you're a little bit nervous too. Of course. Um, but yeah, that's a while ago now. So yeah, I'll definitely passed that five-year mark anyway. Talk to me about your journey into, you know, like you've been a pro athlete and, and to a degree you are an athlete now. It's just, I guess, a lot more displayed now and it's about inspiring a tribe of people to follow you on that journey and be a part of it themselves. Where so more tennis, it's more so you've just got fans that are following, but you're on that journey solo. What's it been like transitioning into, and, and talk to me as well about the pressures of being a social media trainer to a degree because I can imagine majority of your clients while you've got some local there in Noosa majority are you know seeing the stuff that you do virtually and joining the tribe through social media and through digital means what's it like yeah. to have to stay sharp all the time because your body is your, your platform yeah. to advertise I can imagine the yeah. stress with that you seem like a guy that loves it but also talk me through the stresses but then the yeah well period of that yeah well in all in all honesty um, I 100% agree with you. Like, I think if you did look into it, um, you can't be that out of shape, right? Like, I mean, you can. I'm not saying that. There's no doubt. Um, I've had some amazing fitness coaches growing up. I was lucky enough to work with some really, you know, world-renowned coaches, and they were older. Um, and that was through tennis, you know, I was a teenager, and they were in their 60s and 70s, so they weren't treaded or, or anything like that. Um, they just had a heap of knowledge. No doubt they would have been when they were younger. Um, so it's not to say that you have to be in amazing shape, but I guess more so these days with social media when people will give you, you know, literally a millisecond to make up their mind, you probably do want to be in shape to at least get people to, to then look a little bit deeper and give you a couple of seconds. Um, but for me, I don't feel, because like you said, I, I actually do love working out. Like I, I love to train. If I don't train in the morning, I, it puts me in a worse mood because I just want to, I want to do it because I know that starts my day and puts me in a good mood. Um, 
So, but I mean, if you took away that fact and then there probably would be pressure. I don't, and I've got no doubt there is some people that probably do feel that pressure. But for me, in terms of maintaining a certain physique, n- no, because I'm going to do the training anyway because I actually enjoy it. And I know that, that will, they kind of come hand in hand anyway. Yeah, of course. Why body weight training? Yeah. Like, you know, I think we all find the things that we love and the things that really keep us motivated. You know, you said before, and one thing I'm big on is discipline. You know, I think for a long time I really lacked discipline and I found it hard to be consistent in my training or really found it extremely difficult to achieve any goals, fitness or health related, because without that discipline, motivation just dies off and it comes in waves. For you, yeah. you so disciplined in your professional sport of tennis. Was there enjoyment in training then? Yeah, for sure, because I, I um, genuinely loved it as well. So okay, that's I don't good. think you could. I don't think you could do something six days a week from a fifteen-year-old, fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old, eight, nine hours a day of like proper hard work. You know, like four hours of running a day, like running up hills and and just and going hard. I don't think you can do that. I mean, there's some people that can probably do that solely off discipline, but you've got to be able to enjoy that. Otherwise, there's no way you can do it for so long. Of course. And was that the same sort of with this bodyweight venture? You just sort of started delving into different styles of training, see what you really enjoyed, see what gave you some success, and then decided... Yeah, well, I mean, so from such a young age, because of the sport, I'd always been into fitness. Um, So I'd always gone to the gym. Obviously, I'd been on the road for tennis, you couldn't always get to the gym, so I had some knowledge of body weight training too, um, you know, from travel, um, doing some hotel room workouts if you can't get to a gym or there is no gym. Um, I went to some pretty – I've been to so many different countries where sometimes you wouldn't even want to go to the gym. You just kind of – it's where you are, it's safer to stay in the hotel and the hotel might not have had a gym. Um, so, yeah, I had that, but the whole time through that, period and even and post that period up until only five years ago I was I was going to the gym and that was kind of my sole focus on how I kept fit um and then yeah leading and then I got to this point where I just you know for probably a few years prior to that I'd kind of really gotten sick of it but it was the discipline that kept me going because I thought that was the only way to maintain everything that I had yeah um and I was, I mean, a million times better shape now than I was um, post-tennis just going to the gym. But I was worried that if I stopped going to the gym, then that stuff that I had been done would be a waste. Um, so I can't, but I got to the point where I was just like, I can't keep doing this. And I wish I did it a few years earlier, but it was just shit. Like I was, I was only going basically to catch up with mates. Um, it was just, you know, like driving after work, peak hour traffic, then you get to the gym and then it's peak hour traffic. Um, and I just completely lost interest with it. Um, so that's when I just decided, I just said, I'm not doing it. I'm just going to start um, using what I already know, but then kind of doing a bit of research and, and learning so many different types of body weight training and then kind of just going from there. And then within three months of doing that, like my body, looked how I'd always wanted it to look from about 10 years ago in the gym. I did that in three months without going to the gym. So that was enough for me to just be completely hooked on that. Amazing. And talk me through that period of time. What were you doing for work? Like what was life like outside of training? Yeah. So I was um, family business. We've got a family business in Melbourne, which is in the 
timber and hardware, so building industry. We um we got a timber, a timber yard in Melbourne. Um, so I was yeah working with my dad there. Okay, and then so obviously for you then finding real passion again in training and this style of training, take you know you start to take those next steps and go, can I make a career out of this? And if so, how? Mm. Well, yeah, because I because I'd always always been interested in it, and I think I just after solving tennis and everything like that, I was just in a bit of a, I was just comfortable, you know, just yeah. cruising. Um, but I didn't really, not I didn't really, I definitely didn't love what I was doing, you know, it was, didn't excite me at all. Um, so I was kind of just doing it, but it wasn't fulfilling. Um, and then I just got to the point where obviously I had the results I had from that training. And then my wife, she had our son, um, and she got into in awesome shape post baby, you know, doing the same training all from home, um, raising a child. So she didn't have to leave the living room. She lost something like 20 kilos or something in oh, wow. six, seven months. Um, and then I kind of knew I was onto something, you know? Um, and then I'm like, you know what? Like it, then I helped a friend or two just locally. And then, uh, and then same thing happened. So then from there, I'm just like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go after this, start showing, start documenting some of the training I did. Um, so that's what I did on, on Instagram, just started documenting, you know, writing my workouts back then, didn't even have videos. I think it was just like, I can remember taking photos of like a pull-up bar and then just writing in the caption what I did and things like that. And then just kind of grew from there. Talk me through the beginning of socials because, you know, it's a crazy space and you can grow so quickly. But I can imagine a lot of people and, and, you know, even the level of curiosity for myself as someone who is starting in a new venture, new walk of life, building some good content and really wanted to, to grow and, and have this as, you know, for me now, this is my full-time career and I'm blessed to have some incredible sponsors that you hear at one point in time in the middle of this show supporting me yep. on that journey so I can fund this and live this lifestyle. But to build a social audience seems simple in theory, but it's actually quite difficult. It takes really entertaining content or it takes educational content and it probably helps that you're not a bad yeah. bloke with a good rig too. But, you know, like <laughs> talk me through building that social base and building that following. Did it come easily or did it take some real tactics? Nah, so, so this was about, I'm going to, what are we now, 2021? So I'm going to say 2017. So Instagram's been the thing since... 2012, I could be wrong, could be 2013. Yep. My wife had Instagram from pretty much day one and throughout our relationship. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm not getting that shit. Like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. I'll stick with, I got my just Facebook. Wasn't interested um, in the slightest. So I was, in terms of that, I was probably a late comer yep. to, um, because there was already, um, you know, the, from what I've found and people I've spoken to and, and that I know, you know, if you jumped on Instagram back in 2015, um, you were going massive straight away, you know, because there wasn't the amount of volume of people. Um, and there wasn't the amount of competition. So I know accounts and people that have, you know, that pretty much haven't grown in, in four or five years, but they got their massive growth at the start when there wasn't the volume of people. So I definitely think... Um, in terms of that, I missed the boat, uh, but I just I just did it anyway, and I didn't I didn't even know if I knew where it was going. I just thought this the type of training was awesome, um, and I knew it worked, so I'll just share it, uh, and it kind of just grew from there. 
Yeah, incredible. And you've obviously got a great following now. I think it's 335,000 people, which becomes quite productive for your business and it becomes a really good way of, of sharing and growing those platforms and the things that you do. When were you able to then go, okay, I'm going to do this for a full-time living now? You know what's all a bit confusing and scary? Buying your first home and getting your first loan approved. You see, I'm 24 and I bought my first property last year. Even as an agent at the time, there was so much I didn't know about finance because we aren't taught these things at school. You see, I'm blessed now because one of my best mates, Zachary Bidoff, is a mortgage broker. And now that I'm self-employed, I have to be smarter with my money. So I sat down with Zach to refinance my loan and to get the absolute best deal I could. And it's saving me money every week. You see, the great thing about Zach is he's 28 years old, super relatable, and he knows everything you need to about buying your first property. So whether it's pre-approval or refinancing that you need, head across to ZacharyBidoff.com or find the link in the show notes. Now you may be hearing that and wondering, well, once I've identified the right property, what do I do? If it's a house that you've found, it's important you know the ins and outs of the property. A few issues can quickly add up, leaving you well over budget with a ton of work to do. To ensure that's not the case, it's advised that you seek the professional opinion of a building and pest inspector. Greg and Sharon Flood are the owners of Inspect Wollongong. Their job to provide you with a building and pest report, identifying the good and the bad in each property, and giving you the necessary advice to move forward. Keen property investors themselves, Greg and Sharon love helping anyone who's keen to get into the market. And it all begins with a home that will stand the test of time. Get in touch with Inspect Wollongong via the contact details in the show notes. Well, it's not like, unlike a lot of the people on social media too, I, I do train people in real life and I, um, and I know that is an advantage because I've seen and I've been with some of these social media fitness influencers and when they actually go to train someone face-to-face, they've got no idea, absolutely no idea because it's pretty easy to hide behind a computer and write a program. Um, Definitely. So... I um, did start off online, but I do, as you mentioned earlier, yeah, I do. I run a boot camp in Noosa six days a week. Um, I take in the class. We've got, you know, we're getting classes of 30 people and that, that's tough. So being able to structure a session for 30 people is so much harder than just doing a one-on-one PT, you know, because you've got so many different variances of people and things like that. So you learn a heap. Um, and then obviously that transitions into uh, being able to train people and coach people online as well because you've, you've got the online, the offline, and you deal with so many different people that you get get to learn everyone's, you know, differences because everyone is different. No, so uh, I think, yeah, so I think um, when I made the switch was your original question, when I, when I decided to move to Noosa from, um, so we decided to move a couple of years ago now. And I, the plan was just to open a boot camp. So I got that running probably two weeks after we moved up here. Um, and it kind of, it's steadily grew. So I've been, yeah, been lucky enough to be able to do that now for the past few years full time. Incredible to hear. That's what we love hearing people using their passions to work full time and just ripping into life. It's good to see. Talk yeah. about the diet side of things. I think if yeah. I can recall, 
I know at one stage, yeah, you, you definitely had transitioned to more of a vegan plant-based diet. Yeah. Is that still the case? Yeah, but not, I mean, I was never a hundred percent. I never went the full, actually there was a period of time where I probably did. I probably went a good month to two months where I just wanted to test myself and go absolutely a hundred percent. But for a big majority of probably two years, or let's say a year and a half, I was kind of like that 80-20 where I'd kind of 80% of the time stay and eat plant-based, 20% of the time and more when I do the 20%, it was kind of if I went out to a restaurant, if I went to a friend's place or something, I'll eat whatever. Yep. I'm not going to be that, not going to go to a friend's place for dinner and be that bloke and say, you know, I'm not yeah. whatever. Um, n- now I'm probably 70-30 where I just, yeah. And, uh, and uh, I just wanted to try that one so I could have an understanding of the client's purposes as well too, because I think you can't say anything is shit if you haven't actually tried it or seen it or read about it or, you know, it's like when people say, yeah, say you're wrong or you're crazy, but they don't even look at your, your side of the story or your information or, or something that you can show them. They're just like, then that's how you that's how you lose, I think, at life if you if you do that. I done the um, thing a couple of years ago. I, yeah. I sort of I found myself maybe as one of those people a little bit a little bit skeptical how you could feel great without your meats and your proteins. Just basically, yeah. You know, what I mean, basically being typical growing up on a typical Aussie diet, and you know, yeah, exactly. Nights or chicken most nights for dinner, and I actually tried it for three months, full vegan, and I felt great. Yeah. And for me, it was. Yeah. Just, personal choices and I've still got a lot of mates that are plant-based but for me personal choices were just to, to be more balanced about things again but I, I'm really curious with diet because I find I just find yeah. to get it right in day-to-day life and a lot of people well, I, you know what you know what I think it is I think people try and there's all this bullshit like that like the cutting out carbs and I've done everything every every diet like you know the caveman diet I've done intermittent fasting I've done the plant-based done keto Keto is, unless you've got like an actual medical problem, it is just, in my opinion, an absolute load of shit. Um, I eat more carbs the past few years than I ever have before. And I maintain the low body fat. Like carbs don't make you fat. So people need to get that out. There's so so much fear around avoiding carbs. Um, Sure, don't go drink a bowl of sugar and get your carbs from that. But don't be afraid of having like, you know, good grains and, and things like that. Like it's fruit. Like when people say, Oh, I can't have the fruit. There's too much sugar. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, get serious. So I think that's the problem with diet. People are trying to get too specific with it. If you're trying to lose weight, eat less food than what you're burning, be in a calorie deficit. If you're trying to put on and gain weight, eat in a surplus. It's, it's not, you know, it's pretty, it's not a whole head to it. Yeah. I find for me personally, the more I think about it, the harder it is. Like yeah. if I almost just intuitively eat, and I think most of us know, you know, I think after you've got a relative idea of, you know, I don't know whether you promote tracking of calories or not. Um, but I think yeah. once you've got an definitely idea, when you're definitely when you're learning, yeah. So I did that yeah, for a good a good year and a half every day. That's a great point. I think if you learn it, like for me, I'd done it for a period too. That kind of now yeah. I know what I'm putting in my body. Yeah, exactly. I'm exactly the same. Like I've got for my cystic fibrosis, I take digestive enzymes every time I eat something with protein or fat. So my body doesn't produce them. 
So yep. it's funny, like I was sitting there with a mate the other day and he goes, how do you know how many tablets to take? And I'm like, oh, I've been yeah. doing this for so long. I kind of just know how much protein, fat and carbs is in everything. Yeah. So your body almost, your brain almost becomes your tracker after a while. And it's yeah, it's exactly. Nice to be able to intuitively tackle it. Yeah, for sure. So, talk so I think, you, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, no, I was just going to yeah wrap up and say like, in terms of diet, I eat absolutely anything I want to eat. And, but I just kind of, like you said, I just know how much I'm eating. So if I know like yesterday that I overate and I want to stay at kind of that limit where I'm, you know, keeping relatively lean, then I'll just eat a little bit less the next day. I won't like save up and then absolutely binge on a Saturday night for my cheat meal. Like if I want a fucking cheat meal, I'll just eat it. I, like, And then I'll work it out from the next day or I'll do another set. Like it's not, people complicate it. It's not complicated. Yeah, hundred percent. Talk to me about sort of life for you now. I look at really successful people or people who are able to keep real consistency in their health and their business and their life. And there seems to be a few anchors in everybody's day or in everyone's weekly life that keeps them aligned and keeps them on track. For you, what are those anchors and what have you done to find those? Definitely, um, unless there's, you know, uh, something I've got to do for the family or, you know, like a, a, a medical appointment or something like that, it will be training in the morning. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, that's like, I like to, before I start my work or anything, that's kind of what I need to do. Yeah. Um, so that's probably part of my routine and that would, that would by far be probably the main one if not the only one that I think really sets me up and puts me in a good headspace, And then I can feel like, all right, sweet, that's out of the way. And then I can be proactive on everything else. That would probably be the number one thing. And would, be, you, um, would you say that most people just need to get moving for a period of time, whatever they have in the morning, or do you tend to think you need a certain period of time to work out? Like, what are your thoughts around that? No, I don't, I don't think any, I don't think time, I think effort matters. I don't think time matters so much. Really good way of putting it. I like that. Yeah. Talk to me. Do you run? Like would I go for a jog, do you mean? Or yeah. Very rarely, purely because I know I've said this before in another podcast too. I would much rather, and this is not to sound like I'm the fittest guy in the world, but I get a lot more out of a type of circuit training 45-minute session than I would for a 45-minute jog. Okay. Like if I just go for a jog in 45 minutes or for 45 minutes or whatever, I don't feel like I'm really done a workout. Um, so I do do it every so often. Sometimes I just get in the mood. It'll be a ripper day and I want to go run along the coast. And it's, but it's a, not so much of a workout for me. It's more like a bit of a, you know, a, a meditation or a, just a, a different type of training, but relaxing. Um, so purely based on time efficiency, I don't just go for a jog. I'd rather do a like a full body kind of hit circuit thing um, because I know I'll get more out of that and I feel better when I've done it. Um, but I do do a lot of sprints. Sprinting I do do a lot of. Yeah. The reason I ask is because, and, you know, I'll, I'll leave this with you. I'll leave this to sit in your mind and maybe fester over the course of the next couple of months. But I set up a charity event last year called 42 for CF and I run, run my first yep. marathon for cystic fibrosis in December. And we're always recruiting people that want to get behind a, a marrow. So well, I've done, I've, I've ran 40Ks before. 
Have you? In, Unreal. In one go, yeah. And that was, that was absolutely zero training. We went out. It was a friend's 40th birthday and he decided he wanted to run 40Ks. Um, no, actually, I didn't get 40. I came late. They started before me. I had work. I ran 32. 32 Ks in That's one. That's huge still off no training. Yeah, no training. And we, were, we weren't bad. Like, I was starting to cram a bit at the end. But, um, God, it was mentally boring. We ran around an oval for 32 Ks. Oh, wow. 40 Ks, yeah. yeah. We just wanted to stay on the grass because of the, you know, the concrete and the impact. And so that was a good three and a bit hour, three hours probably running around an oval. Yeah. Hey, if you ever think about running a marathon, let me know and I'll have to link you up with one of our events. All right, I will do. Amazing. Hey, talk to me about family. Obviously, you guys document a little bit of being a family out there in Noosa. How many kids do you yep. have? Just got one. He turned four in November. Harley. Um, he keeps us very entertained. Talk to me about being a dad. You obviously love it. You can see that you love it. And you can see that you get a real buzz out of it. How's that been as a life challenge? Yeah, I mean, it is, it's very challenging. I think it's different everyone because everyone has a different child every person is different harley was super active from the get-go um you know he was like walking at seven months old eight months old so we didn't get much of that downtime where he just crawled and we could plot along until he was you know one or whatever the average is so he was he was full on running by eight months which gives you yeah not not a lot of time um it was tough Probably that first year was pretty tough. He had, he caught whooping cough somehow. He was in, oh, wow. had really bad, yeah, really bad reflux and, and other stuff. We were in and out of the hospital. I think my wife did like 10 day stints in hospital because he went in for really bad reflux, but then caught whooping cough when he was in the hospital there as well. So it was like tough first, definitely tough first six, seven months was tough. Um, he's a bit older now, been four, so it's, you know, yeah, it's a, every age has its challenge, but it's good fun. It's pretty cool. Was that the push to move to Noosa? Like that's the lifestyle for the family or was there other reasons? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. De well, definitely lifestyle was a, was a contributing factor. I mean, we didn't have anyone up here. My family's in Melbourne. My wife's family's all in Sweden. Um, so we weren't moving to family or anything. Uh, but, yeah, it's just the lifestyle, you know, be outdoors, better weather. As you know, Melbourne's average at best um so yeah that was that was the reason yeah amazing really good to hear one thing i want to ask you before i let you go is it's a question i've found myself asking a lot of people around you know it's it's the beginning of a new year everyone goes into the new year with resolutions i don't know if i'm a big believer in resolutions i find that really no. until 2020 i'd sort of I'd gone into every year with a resolution or a goal to achieve but probably didn't respect the fact that you know, achieving goals takes a lot of sacrifice and it takes really changing behaviours in your life for that year yeah. ahead or that month ahead or for, for whenever you're impact, wanting to have that impact to actually achieve them. But I find myself asking the question this year, what are two goals that you want to achieve for the year ahead and what's one behaviour you feel like you need to change to make that happen? Well, I know one behaviour I need to change, but I don't know if that would affect any goals. So I think I need to be a little bit more patient with, with other people, potentially. Um, show a bit more patience. But like I said, I don't, and then goals, 
I haven't, like you, I don't really do New Year's resolutions because I think, you know, you don't need to wait till a new year. If something comes up and you know that you need to do it, you should just kind of get to it. Um, so I'm kind of, I've got a, a few things launching soon. I've got an app launching very soon, which I think, there you go, there's a scoop for you. That's a, the first time I've publicly said it. <laughs> um, so that should be out by the end of the month. Um, so that's been a focus for me for the past probably four months at least. Yep. Um, then I want to start up another location for my boot camp. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of grow those two things. So I don't know if patience has got a lot to do with that though, because if I'm too patient, stuff won't happen. It's a balance, isn't it? Patience. Yeah. A tricky one to tackle. Hey, exactly. Quickly about the app. What does the app entail? And is it just building on what you've built across social and making it a central platform for everyone to get that information? Yeah, exactly. So it's going to have, it's going to have all my um, workout programs. Um, you know, everything's within the app. Uh, the countdown timers on the videos. The uh, I've got a, a friend of mine who's also a mobility coach. He, there's a mobility section in there. There's a nutrition section in there as well. So it'll pretty much be, you know, everything that you need. Incredible. Good to hear. Well, Matt, yeah. I appreciate your time very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Is there anything you'd Likewise, like to leave the audience with? I mean, yeah, don't... If, don't wait for a new year to go after your resolutions. There we go. Since we were finishing with that, just if you've got something in mind and trying to put it off or, or you know, just start and, and get after it because waiting for a date is, uh, is probably detrimental. I love it. Life doesn't wait for anyone. Don't wait for it. Ladies and gentlemen, this yeah, is right. episode 58 with Matt Fox. You can find him on Instagram at Matty with a double T C Fox. Go follow this yeah. man. Go get around his training. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to talk to you. Legend. Cheers.